What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Resolution Podcast, where we help artists gain clarity on their calling. This week's guest is actually a professor of mine at the University of Oregon, and he has been in the he's been in the music industry for multiple decades. Um, he's the head of the audio minor department. Is that isn't that right? I'm one of two in the audio production minor. We have Lance Miller, who's a senior That's... audio and video technician at the School of Music and Dance at the University of Oregon. And then uh, I'm a senior instructor in audio production. Um, but So I split my time in between popular music area and the music technology area. Okay, awesome. So he does all of those things and much more. Um, my professor, Professor John Bologna. What's up, everybody? What's up? What's up? Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. How you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, just excited to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Uh, ready to talk about music, and I just love to, to sharing, getting more people with uh, critical ears and um, improving sounds to, that are shareable and digestible by more people is always a good thing. Absolutely. More the merrier, for sure. Um, so how did you get into recording? Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> or what, what initially yeah. piqued, the in, piqued your interest? Was it like a sibling at home or a movie? or? So I grew up, uh, my mom played piano. I, I learned piano. Um, and so I kind of had music around the house growing up. But I pretty much the seminal record like flip the switch kind of moment, uh, at least for me, was 1991. Nirvana uh, drops Smells Like Teen Spirit, and I was in sixth grade around that time. And that was just like, what is this? What's going on right now? And so essentially from that moment, it was like starting a band in middle school, uh, getting into guitar pedals. My dad had a... Um, reel to reel tape machine and so I try to figure out reel to reel and I would uh going back have cassettes and I would make mixtapes and so I would just really big big on like punching in and making edits to having not just song after song because you make a like a mixtape you have to record your song and from one cassette to the next and then put your splicing on but I would actually go and do like small snippets so like this verse into another song's chorus, into another song's verse. So it was just really dug the uh, the way you could combine sounds and order them in time it was really fascinating to me. Uh, and so I think for me, it was just like I was all in. Wow. So you uh, were – oh, go ahead. So then I got to college, and so there wasn't I, – I was in a liberal arts college – there were four music majors. So if you look at the University of Oregon, we have like 400 music majors. So there's only four of us at my uh, school, Hamilton College. Um, but I totally loved it. Uh, I was a music major, um, but always wanting to get and wanting to do more. And so I ended up going back to school for a conservatory of recording arts and sciences, CRAS, down in uh, Tempe, Arizona for nine months. And then I went over to New York City and was an assistant engineer at Brooklyn Recording for about two years. Uh, and so just loved the being a technician behind the glass, wanting to continue to make music. So it's just 
being passionate about uh, sound making and sound craft uh, from both both sides. And just for heads up, I don't think I'll ever be a what I would consider a musician just from seeing cats play on the other side of the glass in Brooklyn Recording. We had monster players, um, but I'm uh, thankful to be part of uh, the sound, uh, making things sound better uh, and can, being able to contribute that. Wow. That's crazy. That's one hell of a story for sure. So you went to, you got, so now you have two degrees, correct? I actually have four, but who's counting anyway? <laughs> um, wow. No, wait. Yeah. Five. Anyway, who's counting? <laughs> uh, so I went back, I got my master's at university of Oregon in intermediate music technology, where I got to nerd out in, uh, building digital musical instruments and uh, essentially getting into computer coding, making plugins, uh, combining and turning data into sound, so data sonification. Uh, and then I went to University of Virginia for my PhD, um, and, and it was a PhD in computer uh, composition and computer technologies, but doing more sound art, sound art installations, and doing, again, still more, uh, getting better at doing mixing, getting my, dipping my toe in on the mastering thing. Uh, and then f after UVA, I came back, I had the fortunate uh, uh, ability to come back to University of Oregon. I loved it uh, here during my master's program. And 10 years after that, I'm back. It's really great to be in the School of Music and Dance and to start right at the start. Now we have a new audio production minor. I say new. 2017, we started a new audio production minor. That's when I started at University of Oregon. And we have the audio production minor and the music tech uh, uh, minor, music tech major, and uh, trying to grow that program just because there's a lot of demand for audio recording classes, for mixing sound design classes, for digital distribution, mastering, and it's uh, a good problem to have uh, courses, uh, not just mine, but Lance, just Dr. Solitz, uh courses in kind of high demand across the school. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thankful you guys have it too, because obviously I'm very interested in that as well. Um, you mentioned something about mixing, and it was actually something you mentioned in class today, and how it was mixing and tracking and engineering is basically another part of the service industry how yes. did you how did you come to that conclusion well i mean you pretty much uh if you are recording someone else you are you're getting paid to be in service to their record i mean you this is a service industry uh where you should kind of basically show up to to work you're showing up, you know, like there's all of this prep you do beforehand so that uh, you're setting a, a vibe, but you're also setting a way that they're kind of creating an environment for the artist to be able to do their thing. And uh, you're trying to get yourself, you like don't get in the way. You're trying to remove yourself from getting out of the way to let the music happen. But you're mm. always kind of like ready and always rolling. Uh, and so that things just seem seamless in uh, trying to make it as if nothing is happening. The recording's just, it just uh, is, uh, at least in the 
the recording world. I think that's, I don't know where that first came up to me, uh, but it is very true. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, yeah, the definitely on the uh, engineering side, this is a service industry. Absolutely. I, to- I mean, I totally agree, but I was just curious. That's, I was curious where, how that came came to you, which I guess you kind of already answered that, but I guess that's just one of those things that comes with experience, just learning those little philosophies. Uh, yeah, I think that one of the things that uh, at Kraz, what I, a professor said that I uh, stuck with me was like, okay, what are you supposed to do when you first get there? It's like you're either assistant engineer or you're the intern. It's like basically you're doing whatever the engineer and the producer are telling you to do because you're kind of like there to learn, but you're also in service to what trying to make sure that the, and if no one's telling you what to do, you're asking yourself, what can I be doing right now to making sure that this thing's happening? If nothing's happening, all the mics are set up, all the cables are run and everyone's kind of hanging out. Okay. Then you go clean the bathrooms. Okay. Is there dishes in the sink? You just clean them. Okay. There's a phone ringing. Might as well answer the phone. No one's answering it. Uh, you're kind of just doing whatever needs to be done to make sure that uh, things just uh, when you're ready to roll, you're ready to roll tape whenever that happens. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Just like always, always have something to do. Um, and that's another thing too. Um, in like a professional studio, there's a certain way you like, as an artist, you really should like conduct yourself in terms of actually how to, I'm not sure how I should should ask this question. Um, so because it's the service industry, are there any things that artists can do to help the recording process run a bit smoother? So kind of like the help me help you kind of mentality. Are there any like pet peeves or things like that, that artists should know about when it comes to like engineers and their processes? Uh, I mean, I guess it's like you're, you're booking the studio. It's like you're booking the time. And so, you know, uh, I guess that expectation is that the musicians are coming ready to perform. It's like, you've done your rehearsal. You're just going to get a better sounding, uh, song. If you've got your material rehearsed, you're ready to go. Um, that's, uh, I mean, also the client essentially they're, they're paying for the time and if they're treating it like a hangout session that's their time their money but also yeah. uh on that uh it's really important just to have um the just the session just ready to go for the artist um so for the like, an artist coming in they're rehearsed you kind of have expectation of doing it and really it's like common sense don't be a jerk mm-hmm. i mean it's a small world and so that uh, if you're not, everyone's a good fit. So also for the artist, if the engine, you're not vibing with that engineer and they're not really there to serving the music and they're kind of not really with it and with you, um, doesn't mean that you need to have them work with you next time. And that's totally fine. Sometimes recognizing that just be an engineer is not an engineer is not an engineer or a producer is not a producer, not a producer. There's some people that you work really well with and, they make it really easy to do your work and they give a consistent high quality product and the sound that they're doing, you're probably going to be the first one to call 
that person again or recommend that person. And so that's this small t smallness. If you're a really big jerk about uh, doing something, you deliver a great product, maybe they're going, but probably not. Do they really want to work with you again? Is it really that uh, I want to go through that again? Just so I can get that sound. Uh, yeah. And then, and then if you're both a jerk and you're not really giving good product, you're probably not. You're not going to get that call again. Yeah, that's like the worst of both worlds. Um, that reminds me of a saying that I actually heard. I think Dwayne Johnson said it or something. He was like, "It's nice. It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice." That's a good. Yeah, yeah, I like that yeah, one too. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. musician musicianship rules over gear. Uh, if you find something's got, uh, you know, it doesn't take a thousand dollar microphone to make a hit song or to like make your sound good. You know, you just have to have a way to capture the energy of the performance and be sure you're rolling tape and that you're capturing it. Uh, and sometimes that's gonna gear can help uh, do that. Uh, but it's really about being able to capture the energy uh, and the musicianship. And so I feel like always that sometimes when we get into like gear talk or tech talk, we sometimes forget about how much that it's the uh, the artist that what they're bringing in. Absolutely. Because that's, I mean, garbage in, garbage out, right? You can right. even look at like S Steve Lacey, who's making records like, hit records on his on phone. iPhone yes that's incredible what did actually what are your thoughts on that just like the innovation that through um technology now and versus the technology and what we can do now versus the technology you were growing up with when it came to like recording and oh, things like that I wish I would be like a kid in a candy store just having the ability to record on a computer that would did not exist the ability to record on a computer uh growing up or at least it wasn't accessible to me mm -hmm. um you know uh to be able to use i think that the nice thing about technology now and that it's it is making it more accessible to more people uh and that you can basically do just about everything in the box on, on the computer. You don't really need to have all of this outboard gear. I think front end still matters. Investing in things that never will go bad. Uh, you know, microphones, uh, preamps. But really, once you get it into the machine, that's pretty amazing what you can do. And to kind of see like Steve Lacey making really amazing sounds, to hear the types of uh, music and music communities that are coming up and around uh, micro genres that are, that are around uh, different ways of making music and uh, ways of connecting with others and um, what we have with technology today. It's fast. It's uh, unbelievable. It, yeah, it really is. I mean, with the rise of the internet to how everything is everywhere, it's you know, pretty it's, incredible. For me, like going back to the Nirvana example, but it's like coming grunge. It's only when that became mainstream. I mean, if you look at a uh, really great book, Our Band Could Be Your Life, outlining the DIY culture of the 80s that really set the stage for grunge to take 
a national like a plat- setting up this platform for Grunge to go national. Um, wow. But, uh, but you know, for like fanzines, order catalogs, uh, different cities having different uh, small DIY labels. Uh, if you're looking at like Minor Threat, you're looking at Black Flag. Uh, you're looking at, I mean, DC hardcore to like LA punk scene. Then you're going, yes, you've got your Seattle uh, scene. You've got stuff happening in the Midwest, but they're very kind of like localized with their own kind of like label and community that's happening that's supporting one another, but really helping to give rise to this and amplify a moment uh, that uh, for me being in Connecticut and being removed from that in sixth grade, it's only when it becomes national that then that uh, I'm able to hear it. But today with streaming services, things you have the ability to access um, just about any music from any uh, decade, every genre. I mean, it does can be overwhelming, but the ability to, to find and connect through music that speaks to you is pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. And did you say you were born in Connecticut? Oh, that's my, I'm a military brat. So we, we moved around a lot as a kid. Oh, okay. I just happened to be in Connecticut at the time when I heard Nirvana in sixth grade. I was going to, because I was going to ask, um, hearing Nirvana, because they were out of Seattle. Is that right? Being like, that's quite a, I mean, that's a whole country away. So do you feel like there's a, there's a different kind of connection now to the music nowadays? Because you can connect with artists so quickly. Yeah, I feel like I'm uh, in that type of collaborative. I mean, there's so many different ways to co- find connections. Um, I think for me, it's all about the liner notes. You're like, who did that record? Uh, it still kind of is like, oh, who engineered that? Who mixed that? Oh, yeah. Who produced that? Oh, it was okay. Nigel Godric. Oh, totally. You know, like looking at finding some of those threads that go across or, oh, there's that session guitarist and they're, you know, playing across those records that you like finding those connections of why you love a particular record. Sometimes it's not sometimes it's a session musician that's playing on it or it's the mix engineer. Uh, and then that you going down that rabbit hole. Maybe that's like why you would be like, I want to hire that person because they're making all of the great records that I, I love that's the other component of why you might get a phone call uh, for your next, your next gig. Absolutely. Like that's, you just don't know. Yeah. And that kind of comes with, um, like you said, the more like the nicer you are, the more credits you'll have. And then the more you'll be recognized. Yeah. So doesn't always work that way. There's still a lot of jerks out there, but yeah. <laughs> Have you, um, so I don't see, cause I like to collect records too. And I love looking at liner notes cause that's how I like find musicians to sample and go, Oh, like that's Cal theater or that's, um, uh, Winston Kelly or Winton Kelly. Um, do you, and I don't really see that in streaming. Do you, have you found a way, I guess, to find credits and stuff? It's a lot harder. It's, you have to kind of dig a little bit more. And I think that's also one of those issues that doesn't really get pushed out um, 
because in streaming too, the credits, uh, they matter in terms of, uh, I mean, well, there's met the metadata that gets attached to kind of this digital thing that gets pushed out. They matter in like two forms. It's like the royalties and they matter for like Grammy nominations, like the credits. Um, but when you have so many artists that you're, you're getting, you're releasing your material and you're putting on a digital distributor or, um, like CD baby, DistroKid, or your non-label, but you're putting it out, uh, out in the world. Those are different across of what they're asking you to submit. And sometimes they're just asking you to put the artist name. They're getting better about like now trying to ask you, like you have to put a songwriter attached to it so that there's the royalty from that mechanical that's going to go to the, the songwriter, but not always. And sometimes you have to like, there's that pushback for the, the distributor to ask for that information. So it's baked in as part of the metadata. But in terms of like, who's the mix engineer on there or the producer, even when you look at streaming, they're only going to tell you a really limited view of like the, the information just even on the service. So the yeah. line, liner note really is, uh, um, irksome at best, uh, and catastrophic at worst for people not getting paid just because they don't have their metadata attached to the song for their ISRC, Damn. which is how things get tracked today. Yeah. That's unfortunate. And like you said that, I mean that, I bet that stops a lot of people from getting gigs or getting a mix, like a mixing session in. Yeah, I mean, you're you're uh, having to. Yeah, of course, you just don't know. You just never know. But you're trying to, uh, again, going after the sound and um, trying to, you know, as an engineer, you're trying to set up that environment so you get to be able to capture uh, the energy of what that musician has come to and what they're bringing in. Absolutely, and that brings up another thing too is what if um an artist doesn't have the money to be at a like a professional studio and go to one like what what can they do to record at home well you i mean technology is getting so much better these days here's the one thing i would argue if you've got this like a, a phone versus and you got a computer and you only have those devices Record your audio on your phone. Don't use the computer mic on your computer. That's like number one. So like, just even sometimes like picking, uh, use what you got to to record. Uh, if you've got also got like, uh, friends that are they might have, um, a mic and an audio interface like computer to be able to do it. Find out ways to you know use that gear are they going to be gone for the weekend can you can you borrow it uh do you gotta cook them dinner to be able to use it like what's what's what you're in to be able to the next step um sometimes just getting involved in your musical community you know you're going to see shows uh working with artists that type of collaborative element kind of figuring out where those resources are um if you're local and you're you know, staying local, hashtag local, like, uh, where's people, where are people recording? What's the best studio setup or what's what people recommend, uh, the 
for making it work for mixing locally? Or is there a local mastering house? Like shout out to Thaddeus Moore and Liquid Mastering here in Eugene. Mm-hmm. Um, does amazing work uh, and doing mastering for artists around the world, but kind of like based right here locally. Yeah, he's incredible. And he's got, yeah, that whole other studio too. Sprout mm-hmm. City. Yeah, that that's another thing too I'm trying to tap in right now is just the local music scene. And like, also, if you guys have like classes or something and you're like classes full of musicians, like that's a great way to connect as well. Just get in with that. Yeah. So uh, the other thing I'm like, if you're doing it at home too, sometimes like, um, kind of some, just like basics would just be like you're minimizing the noise around you. So it's like if that means where you live, you should be recording at like nine a.m. because everybody leaves for the day for work, and that's the time best time. Can you find that nine a.m. time to make to like you're coming ready to rehearse? You've rehearsed. You're ready just to do it because you're minimizing all the noise that you'd get interrupt your recording so like the sounds that you don't want to record um if that means that you're doing your vocal in your closet because it's like you got all sweatshirts and everything else and blankets all around you because you get the deadest sound go for it you know don't uh leave your ego at the door when it comes to your uh and be in service to that song or the sound um Increasing the signal, so that means like maybe adjusting where you're placing your microphone, um, or playing louder. Really, just like listen, listening to what you, what you've got. Maybe it takes means doing a couple test runs before you actually hit it. Getting comfortable with your setup, um, whatever that happens to be. Um, and sometimes the, the scratched vocal is the thing that makes it. So also don't be afraid that. Yeah, you might be doing, uh, it's, again, not about the $1,000 mic, but it's about capturing the energy. And maybe the demo vocal, scratch vocal is the. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's funny you say that because I think in, um, who was it? I think it was DJ Dahi on um, Damn by Kendrick Lamar. I think the. I can't remember the track he did, but it was the sample. He sampled Bruno Mars, um, 21 Carat Magic. I can't remember what that song was, but, um, his vocals, DJ Dahi actually like put vocals on there. And those were just scratch vocals of like a melody he thought would sound cool. And they ended up being on the record. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, I have one last question because it looks like we're kind of running out of time. Um, who would you say are your top five storytellers in music in general? Storytellers. Oh, man. Um, that's a really great question because that's just like an interesting framing around me thinking about what it means to like tell a story or what is it of unfolding something uh over time or in time uh so these are ones that come uh kind of more topical to the brain i feel like if you gave me more time i would i'd think about something 
something different or two years from now my list would be totally totally different but like um one i love laurie anderson uh, and just the way she's able to unfold uh and kind of bring in and point fingers and critique and criticize through technology of uh different ideas about gender what that means oh Um, uh, it's really great of, uh, things that are happening in, uh, society, you know, like, uh, and kind of utilizing technology as a way to reframe and reform kind of storytelling, mm-hmm. um, in, uh, in rap and hip hop, I feel like Notorious B.I.G. and Flow, uh, like, Feeling like I hear a little big, like a big daddy cane in there, but it's just like, mm-hmm. uh, also kind of in growing up time period, I feel like that Notorious B.I.G. was like, um, one of the first rappers that I heard that totally got me to listen to rap music in a way that I, you know, I was kind of like really big into rock, shoegazed, and I was just like listening to Notorious B.I.G. like, wow, this is like, um, like, what is going on? This is absolutely amazing and then what uh is uh, in the lyrics happening because normally i listen to sounds i don't necessarily listen to lyrics and it really got me to listen to content and that was uh from a storytelling um aspect and then uh in some ways i'm uh, this is i'm like uh for storytelling there's a little bit of like john prine okay uh, in there um, and even um, the way in which uh, Brian Wilson for me also makes like little pocket symphonies with pet sound, pet sounds, and being able to kind of like uh, put a pack a lot in onto a recording. I feel like that's uh, he had a really keen ear and a way to arrange material to make that uh, sound full and have take you on a journey mm. oh man i feel like i get one more wish one more on the uh on there if that was four wow um meredith monk maybe that's totally coming out from left field meredith monk yeah but like utilizing extended vocal techniques as a way to to speak to kind of like your core essence in a, in a way of just like getting at like language, non-language and being able to use voice as a way to kind of communicate. Um, and so I, that to me is a kind of gets to more of like a primordial feeling that's, that's coming from the modern, like extended vocal techniques is very modern, but like bringing it back in terms of like uh, hearing and, getting at your like uh unpacking peeling the onion getting right to your heart in a way that's just like in core of the sound speaking the language wow that's cool i really like the way you unpack the the different types of storytelling like in recording and how people are actually using sound and arrangement because typically when i ask that question i ex- i kind of expect the like just more lyrical content, but I like the way you approached it too. It's fresh. It's cool. Thank you. Well, I think we're bad out of time. Thank you so much. 
Thank John you. for being on. I really appreciate it. And what I really like to do with all the guests on the show is send them a cassette recording of the audio. So nice. I will get that to you. I actually just ordered a new pack today. So I will, when that gets in, I will get that to you in class or next time I see you. So, or awesome. when they come in the All next good. time I see you. Yeah. Yeah. All good. Thank you so much, Alex, for having me on. Uh, thank you everyone else for listening uh, and keep, keep making music, keep making sounds. Absolutely. It's more the merrier. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Have a good have a good day. Peace.